I'm Chris Stevenson, and here at Strange Assembly, we're up to the Dirty Dozenth episode of our Legend of the Five Rings podcast. With me today are Kevin Kennedy. Hello. Jay Earl. Hi. And Justin Purdy. Hello. And for most of the episode today, we're going to be talking about Empire at War, specifically the Crab, Crane, and Dragon-specific cards. We'll also be doing a little setup overview of the Plague War and IG-3 environment before we get into Empire at War. Well, before we really get into what the effect of the new cards is going to be on the metagame, like last time when we talked about the Plague War, I think a helpful place to start is to look at what has been doing well in the Plague War slash IG3 environment, we'll, we'll call it. I mean, everybody knows basic things like Spider 1 Gen Con, but if you listen last time, you know that I like better looking at the making the cut percentage or the ability of a deck to put people into cut. You get a lot of randomness once people go into cut. We'll into call this cuts. number the Chris percentage. I'm not quite that full of myself. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just making the cut percentage. That's usually what I call it, because that's literally what it is. It's, of all the people for the tournaments we have statistics for, for all the people who sat down playing this clan at a storyline tournament, what percentage of them ended up making the cuts? Uh, you know, you could get something more comprehensive if you had things like overall match win record in all matches in all tournaments, but... It's I mean, hard to get those statistics sometimes. It's impossible to get those statistics. Yeah. Yeah, especially for, like, specific tech types. Yeah, and you'd want to break down, you know, this is this is not the Magic Pro Tour where they have they post every single person's deck list for every single game, and you can literally do a breakdown of how every different archetype played against every other different archetype. But for the Plague War, the, the rankings basically are just to go once over, and then we can talk about it, are... First Lion, Second Dragon, Phoenix, Crab, Scorpion, Mantis, Spider, and then Crane and Unicorn basically tied at the bottom. They're tied out to two decimal places on them. Two decimal places, yeah. Not at all statistically significant. So, Lion, the top. I don't think I heard anybody before Plague War and IG3 thinking that Lion were going to continue to be the best deck. We should give these guys the actual numbers, too, because you have those sitting... The actual numbers, okay. Uh, and this, So this is literally, for the tournaments that we have, the percentage of people who were playing that clan who sat down at a storyline tournament and then made the cut. Uh, Lion is 18.84%, Dragon is 17.3%, Phoenix 16.56%, Crab 16.53%, so basically the same... Scorpion, 14.57. Mantis, 14.42. Again, basically the same. Uh, spider, 12.4. And Crab and, Un- uh, sorry, Crane and Unicorn, 9.09. I, there aren't, as of the time we're recording this, I haven't actually posted any of the IG3 Plague War environment numbers, but by the time you listen to this podcast, you can, you'll be able to go on our forums and, and look at them if you want to get the particular numbers. I mean, starting at the top again, though, that Lion number, Lion were actually better in the Plague War environment than they were in the post-Central Castle errata Harbinger environment. And I I don't remember 
us or anybody really thinking that Lion were getting that much of a pickup from. They had some good cards. Plague War. They had. I mean, I wasn't here for the IG three episode, but on, in IG three they got that that Shigenja who makes a uh, reusable pud, a la Ningen. I don't know her name, but but that's that's not a bad uh, card. Yeah, I don't remember her name. Marimi or it's a Kitsu person. Eh, I don't care enough to look. <laughs> Twine is still playing to some extent naked followers or weapons, possibly with dueling. And I guess for the dueling aspect, it's mostly seems to be the same core of good line personalities out of pick your random stronghold here, usually Central Castle or, or Great Hall of Records, but still sometimes VPI, I think. And then either just play with good red cards or play with good detachments of whatever preference floats your boat. Right, I, th- I think that the reason none of us saw Lion getting better is that we were all looking at the Lion cards and didn't realize that the Lion personalities didn't get any better, but the attachments got better. Well, but the attachments got better. For, I mean, are there any of those attachments that are even Lion-specific? Maybe it's because Case started playing Lion. You know, Case, we, we mentioned the Lion weapons in the dueling, and Case kind of boards and said, I, came cl- I claim credit for that. And he's totally right. People started playing Lion Weapon Dueling because Case was playing it and did well with it and then posted his checklist and people copied it, which is fine. I, I mean, I don't have any problem with people copying effective decklists, but definitely I think because Case came up with that particular version of that deck and went out there and did well with it, that it has taken off. I, I imagine people would probably have still stayed more focused on the Lion Follower builds that were doing well at the end of the Harbinger environments. So I, I think the, the good common personality base still seems to be the, the backbone of all the Lion stuff, which I think everybody I mean, has been repeated over and over again by us and by other people. Yeah. Dragon was the second. Dragon has been all over the place as far as decks go. Uh, a lot of people continuing to do well with Last Step Castle. I think I mentioned this on, on one of the other episodes, but we should give props to Jay, because when we were <laughs> discussing the Plague War stuff, I I don't remember Trevor being that high on Last of Castle at all, no. and I thought, well, I think it's still good, but it's not going to do well at Gen Con, because people are actually going to be metaing at Gen Con, and Jay's like, no, it's going to do well at Gen Con, and it did. Yeah. I did. yeah. <laughs> Plenty of people have run Monks, so I think Monks is definitely competitive. It hasn't... Yep done as well as I thought it would, but maybe that's because people have peeled off onto other dragon decks and then you've got the more random I mean, not more random, but the the less thematic decks that people like Case and Greg Wong were playing at Gen Con which were both, to a large part really good uniques, a decent number of them not in clan with weapons and dueling Greg's out of Pillars of Virtue and Case is out of Tetsukamamura. That's been a playable dragon deck since I started playing the game, I think. Well, dragon players certainly always like to look for, you know, random cavalry tactician guys that they can pile into a deck and then throw something on and, and sleaze some. some and we've provinces. certainly got those yeah, now. Dra- dragon is always good at random. Who knows what it is? Dragon grab bag. Yeah. Or, or as Greg Wong calls it, the Dragon Toolbox. Yeah, so we, Greg, Greg plays them all in one deck. Uh, all the different <laughs> toolboxes. He, it's like, I'm going to play three themes worth of cards in one deck. And 
I think usually it's more of a, we're, you know, somebody's playing with non-thematic cards or, okay, maybe there's a monk in there, but you're not playing any monk actions. I mean, his... His is everything. Yeah, his, well, his, yeah, his Gen Con deck actually had, you know, a Kehoe package and monks in addition to all the shiny uniques and managed to, to make that work out well. Although that, that was at least a deck I looked at and said, oh, I, I can play this deck. Whereas I think like many people, I often look at Craig's decks and then try to make Craig's deck. And, make, I, I, and it I falls how, apart in your hands. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know how this happened. <laughs> Greg, Greg is, is really good. I even look at cards and like Hazumi in Empire at War. I look at Hazumi and I'm like, you know what? I think people will like him. I don't think anybody else will accomplish much with him, but I think Greg is going to somehow win something using this card. It, it, it's a random cavalry guy. It requires it rings to be particularly handy. Yeah. That seems like the sort of thing that Greg somehow manages to yeah. Greg seems to meld like into rings. a functional deck. Yeah. yeah. But we're not talking about Let's see. The third tie, basically, with Crab is, is Phoenix. And I think, again, Phoenix, like Dragon, has a number of decks that it can do well with. It can play Spell Military. It can play Shrine of Champions Honor. It can play a, a number of different variations out of Twin Soul Temple because that stronghold is amazing. Have you ever heard me complain about it? No, no. no. I don't I don't think I've ever heard a Phoenix player complain about Twin Soul. Somebody must have at some point. It doesn't work when bowed or Every whatever. Idiots, so, yeah, yeah. I, any box that says battle kill someone. Yeah, I, probably good. Good, good, good foundation for a deck. Yeah. Uh, and let's see, Crab. Is Crab still just playing United Hero stuff is what top four at Gen Con, right? I, I I know that they were playing, I I feel like Crab was playing a wider variety of stuff and doing well. I haven't seen anything notably different that Crab has been doing lately other than heroes and just good guys. Am I... There's a scout deck floating I, out there somewhere. Have people still been making the cut with scouts? I I, I can't verify this. In late Kote season, they were, but... Well, yeah, they were, but I don't... I, I don't mean, know or, or much with Onis in it. I don't think they're in the same kind of boat as Lion, but they're, uh, they're in a position where, yeah, the one really good stronghold has meant that they're just playing... I mean, nobody's playing Berserk. Nobody's using Fortress, so they forgot. I, when no. I see people playing Berserkers, they're still playing out of Shattered Peaks yeah. Castle. Unbowing uh, your huge, huge guys that can solo provinces is still good. Yeah. Scorpion, uh, I think that's been mostly Dishonor, Palace of Crimson Shadow. Yeah. Some of it's been Ninja, but Ninja hasn't gotten played as much. It's. Uh, I still think Ninja is good, and I still think Ninja has done well, but it doesn't get played in nearly the quantities that, that Dishonor has been getting played. I don't at least not that I've seen. Scorpion players love their Dishonor. Yes, there are there are many Scorpion players who really like Dishonor. Mantis, after starting off better, has kind of been sliding. Maybe Trevor needs to go to more storyline tournaments. I blame but Trevor. But that's all... I mean, that's, that's just all Dragon. That's their one deck. Dragon's Guard City. Dragon's Guard City. Yeah. That's the current one? Okay. Yeah. That's right. Eastern Hubport was the old one, I think. Yeah, I, I guess I guess this is kind of the point that Trevor sort of makes. They kind of blend together. Like it's that one command, it's that one follower box. Spider, notably better than Crane and Unicorn, but in solidly lodged down in seventh, despite the Gen Con win, which I guess is a testament to how relatively balanced the environment is now. When a deck. A, you know, a clan that overall is performing on the lower end, relatively speaking, is still capable of just 
stomping its way through with the right player and the right meta and the right build in in a big tournament. Has Spider had tournament success with something that is not played out of Fields of the Dead? They have other strongholds now? When did that happen? Yeah, they have um they have Shadow Dojo's and Fingers and Bone. Um but I've heard Trevor has a Paragon deck out of Shadow Dojo that he likes, but I haven't seen it played competitively yet. Yeah, I see people saying Paragons are good, and you see Paragons doing okay, but whenever I see a particularly high-placing Spider deck, it always seems to be Breeder. Fields of the Dead with Breeder. Oh, it's, it's Breeder plus something. That's, yeah, it, it may, yeah, it may incorporate other things. I guess it's, it's just such a strong, versatile effect, and while it ties into one of their themes... It's good enough that even if you're not really doing that much thematic with it, you can still just default to, hey, I, I can make dudes off my box. I'll take it. Yeah. Down at the bottom, Crane and Unicorn. I think Crane have been discussed enough. Unicorn don't. I feel like we should give props to the Unicorn Clan player base. During Kote season when Scorpion were bad, there was reams and reams of... of metaphorical ink spilled on forums about how terrible Scorpion were and how much their clan sucked and all that. And preemptively, and and since then there have been tons and tons about how terrible and awful Crane is going to be in the the Plague War environment. But Unicorn haven't really been good this year. No. And you don't see a bunch of Unicorn players... Griping all over the place. Well, that's at least partially because you don't see a lot of Unicorn players. Aren't they the smallest <laughs> clan base right now? Yeah, they had the the lowest targets for the Race for the Throne. I think that's modified a little bit. I, 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 like Mantis, I think their numbers are probably inflated a little bit because they had received the Temptation and a lot of people had bought Herald subscriptions to get the Temptation item. And then... That resulted, and they used that as the basis for, at least to some extent, for what the targets were going to be. So I think Mantis and Scorpion ended up with somewhat inflated targets because of that. Well, like the Scorpion are usually are traditionally, for a while, have been the biggest or one of the biggest player bases. But their isn't their target like a whole percentage point higher than anybody else? I mean, they're it's up like at they were percentage at, points higher than most clans. Yeah, they were most, a lot higher, but not. Yeah, well, I think what is. A lot of them are really, yeah, four and a half or five, and then Scorpion's up at six, I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, there's, I mean, there's, it's six, sorry, it's six per chunk, six percent to get up into failure, six percent up to get up into costly victory. But like I'm saying, the Mantis clan player base is pretty small, and there was a stretch of time there where the Mantis player base, as a group, got really whiny enough to to probably qualify, and and they're they were small. That's Largely gone away now. I mean, I mean, they're they're fine now, but there was a stretch where there was a lot of Mantis complaining, and that was really relatively unjustified. That was when Mantis had just spent a while in the middle of the pack. But no unicorn complaining. But no, the unicorn seemed to be. But what have the unicorn been playing? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, for unicorn, I've I've been seeing mostly non-thematic stuff. Yeah. These are good uniques. These are some good red cards. These are good attachments. My guys have cavalry and decent battle actions. I swing. Yeah, I, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't seen an actual. I, I haven't seen as much. I know they're out there. I mean, there is an actual battle main deck. There are actual commander decks. There are those scout blitz decks, but I haven't seen them as much doing decently at tournaments as just the generic. Well, one of the 
Unicorn decks I faced at Gen Con was a um, follower commander deck out of Fields of Winds, and it was very Edekin heavy, but... <laughs> That's a good start. Don't they all play with three copies of him? I think so, yeah. He's good really base good. for a unicorn deck. Okay, well that's way too long talking about the last environment before we talk about what's coming in Empire War, so let's end it there. He founded the Spider because Clan Champion looked neat on a business card. And then he disbanded them because he realized that a man who needs no introduction has no use for business cards. He destroyed Adesinucci because it blocked his view. He burned down the Shinnaman because Kenpeki wanted s'mores. He lost a Yuchiban just to see what it feels like. He is so wise that Fu Lang plays with his guidance. He is the most powerful man in Rokugan. I don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do, I prefer a strange assembly. Stay tainty, my friends. First the crab. First in war, first in peace, first in the hearts of their countrymen, but most importantly, first alphabetically. We'll do this like we did last time. First, we're just looking at the themes. Commanders. Let's see, right now, nobody's playing crab commanders, right? No. I haven't really seen a commander with a crab deck. Okay. But what did crab commanders get? Let's see. All of their uniques are commanders, this set. Tadori is a commander. Benjiro is a commander. And then you get Fataro as well. Benjiro is amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I think That's... they got some good commanders, but they didn't really get any commander cards so much as they got good people who have commander on them. They got a crab-specific follower. Commanders are better often when they aren't necessarily dependent on having followers. It's the same kind of thing with Kensai and all the other the attachment-based things. If your guy does nothing when he doesn't have a follower. But yeah, it is. there's the, the commander non-unique that they got, the, the commander slot for the set, and then they have commander on two guys that they were probably going to make anyway for a storyline sorts of reasons. Benjiro is amazing. He's less amazing in Commanders than he will be in Heroes because I hear Strength of Bamboo is good. I mean, Heroes likes really and awesome... Hero, hero too. Yes. He's a hero and a commander. And a Riku good choke it. Which is like second command. It's, 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 yeah. a, it's a general. Let's see, he would be the Rukugan Shoken second because he's second in command after Kuon. Yeah. yeah I, and so, he's, he's the general of an army, right? So they're probably the crab have three he's, of them because they have three armies. He's kind of BA in the stories lately, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah. He, we just had the story with him pummeling on the Rakshasha yeah. uh, mm-hmm. a little bit. He's got high force. He's got a kill ability. But out of Heroes, Heroes is designed to have individual, especially for Crab, individual really good personalities. It, they have the resistance cards that you're playing with. With Commanders, you don't have that. With Commanders, you're basically locked into followers as your attachment of choice. And that does not synergize with Bendro's ability, whereas if you're playing Heroes or something, you can slap a weapon on him. Or give, and, or give him that card that gives him, like, plus six force when he's alone. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, any anything that, well, that's, eh, you still have to watch out for the, I give him plus six force and then he dies, but you just slap a Rising Sun Blade on him, slap anything that, Armor the Ryu on Benjiro is probably pretty good. Heater War Drums. Doesn't that mean huh. I have to put that in the deck? If you're playing Crab, it's a six gold cost attachment. Seems like they could, but I haven't really. It works. Yeah. 
But regardless, I think there are many good things one can do with Benjiro, but you're not playing with those attachments much, if at all, if you're playing specifically a commander deck because you're playing with the followers. Now, like I said, I don't know if anybody's necessarily going to play a specifically commander deck with Crab, but they are getting more stuff. But let's see, if we do the personality, yeah, Hidori, sorry, Haruma Tadori is a commander as well as a scout and a hero. And surprisingly to me, I look at his card and it looks good when I first look at it. And then I think about it some more and I don't really think it's that amazing. It's kind of meh. He's got five force for eight, but I mean, all sorts of crab. All sorts of crabs. That's just normal for crab. Yeah, Yeah. that's that's pretty standard. I don't think it's the standard yet for them to actually have X force for X X gold gold cheap, but. At five force for eight gold is not extraordinary. I mean, he's got four chi, but they don't usually do as much with that. And his battle ability, because it's specifically move a personality to Tadori's battlefield, it means that Tadori can't move himself in with his ability because he's. I mean, there is no Tadori's battlefield to move somebody to if he's sitting at home. Right. I mean, he does say if you're going to use send home, you have to use it on me first. That's not a bad. Characteristic. I don't think he's a bad card, but he doesn't jump out uh, as anything. I mean, it's hard amazing. to compete with Benjiro. I'm sorry. It's like competing with John Stamos for a girl. <laughs> right. That that's the that's the benchmark. Full House John guy, Stamos, right? With the yeah. I, th- I thought it was Fisher Stevens was the benchmark for uncompetable with, with, with girls. Women. Yeah. Okay. I don't even know who the, Fisher Stevens is. Uh, hackers. All right. Now that we're we're past <laughs> the terrible pop culture references segment Sorry. of the uh, the non-unique guy is is Fataru. Speaking of five force guys who cost you six on the cheap, I, I don't know what to think of his ability. His battle bow one of your followers ranged attack with followers force plus one. It's Sunagawa, yeah. essentially, except not the naval and the tactician. Yeah, naval is important. Yeah. Sunagawa isn't what he used to be, was he? I mean, Sunagawa used to be really, really good awesome. compared to other personalities, but we're much further on in the arc now. Yeah. So I, I don't think Fataru's bad, but I, I'm always... I mean, I'm giving up a lot of force. And it, there are good enough ways to make ranged attacks that when I have to bow one of my guys or bow a follower to get the ranged attack, and if you're getting a good ranged attack off of this, you're bowing a real follower. So Nobody ever likes the bowing for ranged attacks. I'm not sure about him. On the other hand, they do, as Justin mentioned, get a a really a good new follower, yeah. the Haruma House Guard. I mean, it's it's unique, but... It's I mean, crab-specific. Crabs, yes. Only attaches to a crab clan guy, and it negates the movement of that unit or the bowing of any card in that unit. So it gives that unit resistance to, to two of the three big ways of just getting rid of, of a personality or, or a nasty card. Yeah, your opponent can, you know, bow something silly and then you can negate that, but they've still just wasted a bow effect to, to do nothing. Anytime you can react and negate something, that that broadly is, you He's know, good. worth considering. And that's crab specific, but any commander deck gets fire on my command, the good range the attack. That is, target your commander, target his unbound follower, range the attack with force equal to the follower's strength plus two. Yeah, and you don't yeah, have to yeah. bow the follower. You don't have to bow the follower. It's, it's just ranged five, range six, range seven, 
well, you know, whatever, depending on which giant follower range, range variety. Eight, if you're doing Iron Gauntlet Brotherhood. I mean, even if you're doing range six and range seven off of four and five force guys, those are still good. Even if it's just a three force follower, battle range five doesn't suck. Uh, no. You know, you're shooting for more than that, but but you're going to take that, and I think that is a good card for. The only problem with it is it is it's it's follower synergy specific. You have to have a follower to use it, and. Well, that may not seem like a big deal. It can be. It, no, no. I mean, it, yes, it has a requirement. And your follower has to be strict. But I, I still think that that's a, a good card. If you're making a commander follower deck, you're going to be playing that. Yeah. Right? I'd so, think so. Probably, yeah. And then there's Conscript. The other follower commander card is Conscript Troops, which lets you look at the top five cards of your deck as an open. And if you have a follower there, you can attach it for four less gold. So I'm getting it right. That seems yeah. pretty solid. I don't know how much people are going to like it because people are really going to hate it when they play it and then they don't have any followers in their top five. And I yeah. think that people might be too concerned about that. On the other hand, it's much, much better than Song of the World and people like that card. So, so, I mean, I think Fire on, on My Command seems like the biggest commander-specific bonus that Crab Commanders get, but I don't think that'll be enough to move them into a commander no, deck off make, of some of their... Make Hugh and Hita good at any point. Well, I don't... Oh, uh, they're not... They're not going to... They're never going to play out of Cute and Hita. I, I mean, no. even if you're playing a commander follower deck, they're still going to play it out of Shattered Peaks Castle because... I'll straightening your giant <laughs> yes, followers. Yes, because you still have a giant follower-laden mm. unit that you're going to straighten the whole thing. I, uh, you're... It, it's... Yeah, it's got to be Shattered Peaks Castle. I think if people play Berserker decks there. I think I think a Berserker deck is more likely to move off... To, off of Shadowpiece Castle onto Forgotten Fortress, then Follower Deck is to move on to Cute and Hita, but I still don't and even think then, that that's... I don't know if that's going to happen either. See, so the next theme, Hita Benjiro... Uh, you know, See, so the next thing is Heroes, which I guess we start off with the exact same uniques, because Tidori and Benjiro are both there, and, and I, as we talked about already, Benjiro is good generally. He is amazing with all the hero negation and protection stuff and the option of playing with item... Uh, attachments to pump his force and make him really just battle kill you. Uh, nothing about that. Hida Marukin, the non-unique sort of uh, hero slot for this. Eh. Uh, he's not He's not bad. He's not amazing. They have two chi. Maybe they decided that they don't want to feed too much more of the crab dueling deck. Oh yeah, that's right. That's the other reason why Bender is amazing. Because focus values do still matter, especially if you're trying to kill somebody who's high force. And I hear that people play crab hero dueling, which means that Bendero can much more confidently just go after people with six or seven force instead of having to to go after weaker guys. If you're playing with bad focus values, you can't send Bendero's lethal duel after somebody who's got six or seven force or without having four force. You know, four four starts a pretty big advantage if you're not if the other guy isn't dueling. But still, I mean, it is a duel, and if you're not a dueling deck with that's paying attention to its focus values, that matters. But crab heroes often is a dueling deck, and if you've got a decent set of focus values, Bendro gets all the all the nastier. But Marukin, bow an enemy card that has no attachments and lower force. That's that's mainly what his ability. The other, I mean, the other option is if he's by himself, he can just bow anything. But Bower bow card without attachments and lower force is a pretty standard sort of ability, so he seems like a solid guy, but 
but not amazing, which which honestly isn't a bad thing. That's something that I kind of felt when I looked at a lot of the cards in the set, is I see cards where they seem like they're playable, they seem like they're worth looking at, they seem like that there's maybe a role for them, but not just card after card after card where I look at them and go, wow, that's amazing. And I think that's that's sort of the thing that I like to see out of a set, where we're not just cycling in all of these new auto-includes into to decks with all the power creep implications mm-hmm. that that has, but that you're just getting into a, a different you know, a variety of different options that you can go with a deck where things aren't necessarily obviously good or obviously bad. Does there, any of you guys like the hero actions in this set? Invincible Determination and Unmoving is the Mountain? I think Unmoving, unmoving is isn't terrible. Good. Um, being able to just completely negate all your all bow and movement effects on your hero for the turn. It's just an open dumping on some guy and even more resistance. Hooray. Yeah, yeah. Can you Can you kill me? Can you force reduce me? I right. And and crabs are the heroes that make the best use of that, right? Because they've got the individual. Because they're huge. Yes. And, and if you slap a heat of war drums on them, they become your. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, oh, hey, my guy with the heat of war drums is going to go take your province now. Yeah. What about invincible determination? Do we care about that? Um, I think it's it's interesting, but you have to play it as a battle action, and battle actions are really, really super precious. Yeah, I guess, again, it's one of those, if that guy, whoever he is, needs to be able to win the battle by himself. Yeah. Because you're kind of saying, this guy, don't target him. Wreck everything else in my army, but don't target this guy. So, and and, and yeah, and as a battle, actually. If that was an open, unmoving as a battle, as an open, that gives him much more. If you could battle action that guy, right? Yeah, open action that, but... So, yeah, and with Invisible Determination, it has to be an action performed by somebody else. So if you hit him with a route or claw and shell, you know, something that doesn't... You've got options. You've got options around it. it. Oh, and most decks are packing options like that because they don't... A lot of times you get people in battle and you have all your bow people and you need to do something. Yeah, and that, that one... it That seems like it would ultimately not be able to make the cut. Yeah. At, at this point, even in Crab, where you're more about this one big awesome guy, and even with more negation, because of course Invincible Determination is going to feel really rude if you Invincible Determination the guy, and they're like, okay, well, I'm just going to bow my guy, but I'll kill him. Strength of the Band. Ha ha ha. Your guy is bowed, and, and, and I'm still here. Berserkers, despite getting a stronghold last. That set, I don't think like, they're really gone yeah, anywhere. They, they got a guy with a really, really cool trait. The, he is the ender of dreams. That's a keyword, not a trait. <laughs> keyword, sorry. So I'm a you know, retentive rule. Sure, yeah. He, he's the ender of dreams. That, that's all that really needs to be said about him. Well, that was a. Yes, who got that? It's a, the story card. It's 9 11 charity tournament, Josh Griffiths. So, did I. Yeah. I don't know if you got to. Pick that because that wasn't a uh, wasn't like a winner's choice. I list don't remember thing, that being on a winner's choice list. No, no, it wasn't. A, it wasn't, or else it would say winner's choice on the the side. But yeah, he. If you're not buying him right away, right away, he is a guy who's X force for X gold cheap, seven four seven gold. He has to bow himself for his ability, which is good because otherwise it would be insane. And he destroys a target enemy follower or personality out without followers with equal to lower force. So. 
I guess he laughs at you, your guys and your uh, Shugenja with all the spells, because weapons, yeah. maybe you get the guy's force high enough, followers, protect your guy, but he's he, he's going to end the dreams of of dudes with lots of spells on them. That Unless comes it's up like a, a ton of copies of Scouring Flood or something. <laughs> yeah. And that was more of an issue back when spells were things you had to put on guys in advance, but now, I mean, you, you play the spell, you use it, You've already at least gotten one effect out of it. You may, I mean, you may be able. This guy may be able to slice up your guy with attach an attachment or two on him. But at least you've gotten to use the spell. There's no, there's yeah. no more. You spent money on this spell, and now I take it out before that, you ever that's, even get that's to, one of the reasons why to use it. Why I really hated playing any type of Phoenix military deck in Samurai because, I mean, up until until City of Tears came out, it's because that was just really, really frustrating. Yeah. The fact that he bows too also really kind of synergizes one of the new berserker cards that they got. The um, immovable object. The movable object. It's like the only berserker That's the card. Only other. Yeah. That, is, that is like the berserker. Yeah, it's the berserker. And it's a good card. Battle open straight in your berserker. Battle choose your unbowed berserker. Bow an enemy personality or follower with lower force. There are a variety of straighten options in here. I know something that is not specific to Berserkers or anybody, but superior mobility also straightens your yes. your units. But you still ultimately are bowing your guy to kill something. And and like a number of cards, when you're when you're killing a what it's a personality without followers or follower. If you are bowing him to kill a follower, you're not gonna feel like you're getting good bang for your buck. Yeah. Because there's a lot of cards that are just battle jack and attack. You're really going to like him when you get to kill a guy, especially if it's a guy who has non-follower attachments. That's yeah. that's really what you're that's shooting for. Uh, and battle bow a guy to kill a guy. When you get to make that trade, even if your guy is is a beefy, you know, this is beefy seven fours, man, what are we, oh, that's right, we're not supposed to say beefy men. Big beefy men. Right? That's you, that's right, that's you. Saying his big beefy men. But they're not my big beefy men, they're the crab big beefy men. I just like pointing them out. <laughs> yes. So he's not... He's not bad. I, again, I guess like the commanders, I don't think that's going to pull anybody into Berserkers specifically. Although he doesn't have to be in a Berserker deck. You can just have him as a guy. In the Shattered yeah. Geeks deck. Scouts. Again, you got Haruma Tadori because he has every non-Berserker keyword in the book. You get Haruma Ikuya who um, is okay, but is not. Uh, he's a 4-3 for 7. He has a battle action if the current province has been targeted by a recon action. Draw a card, discard a card. I like Kyle Teru better than I liked him better than this. Got three personal honor. <laughs> Just saying. You go guys, crab honor runner. Go go crab. Here's a few extra honor to help me against that dishonor deck. Yeah. It's it's not a it's certainly not a bad ability, but it's all that the guy does, and it's a battle action. I mean, people always like Seppin Blade, but that was what you got on Seppin Blade when you were unopposed. Yeah. So, well, of course, you can use him unopposed. If you get to use his ability multiple times unopposed, I think you'll be really liking it if you're attacking and your opponent isn't defending. So that may depend on how much you expect your opponent to stand in front of you when you recon a province three times. Or the fact that you can use him unopposed to cycle through your cards seems to be his his biggest talking point. Like you were saying earlier, Kevin, battle actions are temp are, are important. Tempo is precious. That's not going to be something you want to open a battle with. Battle, draw a card, discard a card. Yeah, but, that's, a, that's a bad sign. Right but there. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if you're going to open up an unopposed battle with battle, draw a card, discard a card, 
I, I think you're going to be pretty happy with that. So I, I think that's kind of what you're looking at when you're assessing this card. I mean, what is that? That's like what Lightwater Bay does too, right? I hear that card gets played, or oh, get, did get it, played. Well, it, it got played because it had a ridiculous interaction with with Central Castle. Beyond that, it suffers from being a region that isn't amazing and doesn't protect the province. It still got played non-Central Castle decks. It did some, not anymore, too much. A little. Scout's got a couple of cards in this. Knowledge of the Land and Waylay the Messenger. I remember you talking about Knowledge of the Land earlier, but that may have just been about the art. It was just about the art. I have no idea what the card does. It starts off with a bad a, a bad sign. Battle, bow your performing scout. Uh, uh, you're bowing a, bow a target enemy card without unbowed attachments. Uh, if you've played a recon action on that province, draw a card. Mm. So let's assume that you have reconned the province because yes, like many scout cards is bad. So you're, it replaces itself. So bow your guide to bow one of their things, especially the thing without attachments, is not an amazing effect, but it doesn't cost you a card. I mean, this is, it, it reminds me of when they printed the scout follower who had zero gold cost. Yeah, I was about to say, is it say personality? You could combo those. It does not say personality. There you go. You bow can your play zero, it with a zero gold, zero force scout. Can play it with a a scout follower. It's oh, that's a good point. Yeah, but it reminds me of that one in the way you're you're sort of playing with the cost, an inherent cost of you know everything that you every fate card is that it costs you a card, and they're saying with that, well, if you just have for the fact of having an attachment, do you really need gold cost? Isn't the cost of having a you know using a card enough? And in fact, I think we've determined that it's too high a cost to pay for a zero force follower because no one plays that. And knowledge of the land is similar in that you're 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 removing the cost of a card. You're saying if you don't have to pay a card, if it just costs you battle tempo and bowing your guy, are you willing to pay something? I think ultimately the answer is no, that it's not good enough effect or worth bowing your guy for, even mm. if you draw a card after the fact, it because it costs you battle tempo. And Battle tempo is 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 pretty yeah. handy. I don't know. Good combo. With, are the We Stand Ready created followers? Those are scouts, right? Uh, no. Oh, they're not. Okay, well then, then that's not much of a combo, is I like, it? I like the art though. I, I don't. I don't <laughs> yes. know why. I just do. Brandon Leach is the artist on that. The other one is Waylay the Messenger, which is an open recon. Again, it requires you to. Bow your scouts, and it recons a province, and then while you're there, you can go battle range six. If they never oppose you, you get the card back. I don't like bowing my guys and bowing them, yeah, to give me a range six. I'd rather battle range six if I've reconned the province is something I'd worth I'd I'd want to look at as an open, just giving me the option of range sixing. Maybe if I'm playing Crane and I'm defending and I can just bow some scout I wasn't planning on defending with anyway, because I'm just going to defend with a couple of guys and then then run away. And you do have to have an unbowed scout there, so you can't even play Waylay the Messenger and then have it sit around uh, and then wait till all your guys are, are shut down in one way or another and be like, oh, and now I've got this range six to, to finish things off. But I like Knowledge of the Land better because it has draw a card on it. I think that gives cards more of a uh, potential 
The other crab personality is Kune Shikahime. I know you like, you like the, the art. art. The, the art. I really like the art. But it's a shame that the card's so bad. Well, I mean, it's, it's a boxable Shugenja, but I, Crab just isn't doing Shugenja. Crab isn't doing Shugenja decks. Right. She doesn't and, have any other keywords that are going to hook her in with anything. There's a good amount of boxable hate. She's not a personality you're going to go out of your way to open to to let yourself be open to boxable hate for. Right. And how often is her trait ever going to trigger? Uh, is she anything Shadowlands, right? Yeah. yeah. So, spider. so when you're playing against Spider, right. she's got a lot of force, and that's still too oh, conditional. But, yeah, yeah, but she has to be opposed. Yeah, no, she's not just a six force for for four when your opponent is Spider. But I think the only other crab specific seeming card, Talisman of Jigoku, which costs less for them. A lot of two for two items running around out there that do something a little bit helpful, and two for two, it's a decent ratio, but it just doesn't seem worth it. I mean, a scout armor, okay. That's that's yeah. a little bonus that people are going to pay for. Or, I can't get hurt by, by, again, by the Spider Clan guys. Doesn't seem like enough to get the job done to get that into somebody's deck. Yeah, I got like five of this card in my, my, my booster box. Was not very happy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, there were there were collation and distribution problems with Empire War. Maybe we should have some little semi-segment about that. But okay, I think that's everything correct. Welcome to the Strange Assembly News Desk for October 2nd, 2010. The October Mega Game Honor Contest has been announced. It is Inspirational Posters. The early announcement for Heroes of Rokugan 3 Spirit of Bushido has been made. The new continuity will be set near the War of Spirits time frame, and more information will be available soon. The story prize for the main event at Worlds has been announced. It is titled Love and Madness, and involves the fate of Agasha Kyoso. The second chance storyline event at Worlds will be Kuranada's Destiny. The winning clan will have the opportunity to offer fealty to the noteworthy Ronin. Uh, the stakes have been raised in the Koku Drive competition. In addition to the Mega Game points for each month from October through December, the clan that has the highest total Koku donation that month will receive bonus promo cards. In tournament news, the Longrano winner's choice was won by Sergio Garcia with Lion, who kept the points and chose the keyword legendary. The Montreal winner's choice was won by Mark Armitage with Spider, who donated his points to Jigoku and chose the keyword Master Sensei. The Berkeley winner's choice was won by Daruka Zaden with Scorpion, who kept the points for his clan and chose the keyword Enigma. The Test of the Ruby Championship was won by Frederick Daquin with Crab, who kept the points. The honor event at that competition was won by Anthony Pierre with Dragon, who also kept the points. The South American Championships were won by Omar Emran with Lion, who donated the points to the Empire. The honor event in South America was won by Federico Catalan with Spider, who donated his points to Jigoku. 
The RPG character creation competition was won by Daniel Wheeler, also known as the Ninth Guardian, for his submission of Isawas Sawal. Daniel kept the points for the Phoenix. There have been two recent fictions. The first is Flesh of the Demon by Sean Carmen, published on September 19th, 2010. In a preface to the story... Mia Nishio, escorted by Seppin Tanizaki, heads down the streets of Odison Uchi to deliver a report to the bureaucrat Otomo Ishihama. Back on the front lines against the destroyers, in the vicinity of the now one-eyed Okoto Shigatoshi and his Mantis archers, the crab Hida Iseki's capabilities impress the general Hida Benjiro and earn her an invitation to join the Hida elite guard. After celebrating her appointment, Iseki went to the shrine to meditate, only to hear Benjiro confiding in the reviled Kuniokichi. Benjiro related his conversation with an ogre, and the creature's subsequent reappearance in his dreams. The next day, the fight went poorly for the crab, with animal demon servants of Kalima leading the charge. Then, Kalima's Rakshasha entered the fray, and Hida Benjiro moved in to face his brother's killer in personal combats. At first, the crab general did not fare well, but then showed his men that the demon could bleed, stabbing it with an ivory, ivory knife and forcing it from the field. Elsewhere, Agasha Kosadao and Isawa Takino were disturbed by the unusual behavior of the elemental spirits. In the Twelfth Scenes from the Empire f fiction by Rusty Prisk, Nancy Sauer, and Brian Yoon, published September 4, 2010, the first section of the fiction sees Kanetsu, Daigatsu Shimreki, and Daigatsu Shinjutsu camped in the bitter cold. Nearby, Doji Midori watched and bided his time, then eliminated the Daigatsu, grabbed Kanetsu, and called upon his father, Emma-O, to take them both to Meido, the realm of the waiting dead. There, Emma-O removed the taint from Kanetsu and returned him as Doji Kanetsu to D Kyuden Doji. Elsewhere, in the ruins of Odison Uchi, Kasuga Keiko and Kasuga Mamoro were felled by two concealed figures approaching Sunset Tower. The two killed their way to the top of the tower, where they found Miramoto Ino. The blind swordsman defeated one of the two figures, a Yobinjin, but was himself defeated by Daigatsu Eya. Shortly thereafter, Miramoto Ichizo arrived, finding only Keiko alive. The two approached the tower, went inside, and found that the dark covenant of fire was gone. Somewhere else in Otisanuchi, the Legion of 2000 Ronin, Kataoko, Batoken, and Enomoto kept watch around their meager camp. A scream roused the trio, and they rushed to discover a young Shugenja vomiting and delivering a warning of impending peril from the elements. Something was coming. As a note, this Scenes from the Empire fiction was not posted on the main AEG page, but is in the story forums under the heading... Scenes from the Empire Rolling Thunder style, so if you haven't seen the fiction, that's where it is. In the Mega Game standings, in descending order in glory, the Dragon, Crab, Phoenix, Mantis, Lion, and Unicorn are currently in costly victory. The Empire, Crane, and Spider are in failure in glory, and the Scorpion are in total failure. In honor, the Empire has peaked into solid victory, 
with the Mantis, Unicorn, Dragon, and Phoenix in costly victory. The day finds the Crab, Crane, Spider, and Scorpion in failure in honor, and the Lion in total failure. Lion are now winning the Glory Donation Competition with 42, the Dragon and Crab following behind with 36 and 29, respectively. In the Honor Donation Competition, the Crane lead with 104, with the Spider in second at 83, and the Crab a distant third at 34. That's it for the news desk for today. You know what I think we should talk about? I think we should talk about strangely androgynous people with white hair. Is there anything related to L5R that has to do with that? Oh, that would be the crane. Yeah. That No, there are at least... Five crane personalities in this set that have a very definite gender. I okay. I guess we can talk about the crane. All right. Okay. Well, let's just get the generic stuff out of the way first. Doji Kasari, well muscled and well away from your crane deck. Yeah, he's a line character. Yes, except yeah, he's yeah. too expensive for the line to play. But yeah, he yeah, does. He's, 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 he's a commander, commander paragon lion. Yes, yes. I'm sure when we get to the Yoritomo dude, you'll yeah, he's point out the similar too. art. <laughs> the, lots of people are deep in well, thought this To thing. be fair, this one looks like he's praying, and Yoritomo Monza looks like he's just contemplating doing bad things to your sister. No, he just finished beating somebody up, and now he's sort of like, yeah. Yes. Okay, but other crane personalities are good. Let's just start with the one that I think is amazing, Doji Shikishi. She's we have discussed cheap. her. She's cheap. She lets you use the favor ability presenceless. She bows to take the favor again, which has a drawback that you don't care about if you're playing Sevenfold Palace. She even gets to be a courtier or an artisan for whatever you want to do. Is there anything wrong with her? She doesn't have that, that trait that says that she counts as costing one more or something, so she doesn't get hit by... Look at that terrible force-to-gold ratio. She, yeah, <laughs> she, she has zero force and two G. Oh my gosh. Come oh, no. on, Chris, she's only oh, got no. three personal honor. Three! Somebody is going to complain about her only having three personal honor. Yes, that's true. I, I guess, I think, I think you're okay with three. I think it's when... Two, when you hit two, two, people start going, oh my gosh, I can never put this guy in the deck. If the meta thing doesn't destroy her, it's not even that big a deal. Oh, she's bowed, doesn't stop her trades. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she's somebody that can be used out of crane artisans or out of, you know, that crane courtier magistrate defensive honor kind of thing. She's amazing. Yep. That's pretty straightforward. The nice, the spicy to Shikishi's hot, which would be Doji Umaki. I like him less, because you can only hit with so many people who have discarding the Imperial Favor as a cost. I mean, well, despite Doji Shishiki, you don't get to take it infinite times. No, no, no. If he, if the unit has lower gold cost, then you get the favorite back. Yeah, but... So you can bow a boxable. Open, bow him, bow a boxable isn't terrible. The card has to be solid, even when it's not doing its thing. Or else what it's whatever it's doing it needs to be pretty amazing. Although I guess just open... Open bow, bow anyone. Bow, um, well, no, open bow him, bow a... Well, don't they, I mean, Crane already have somebody who's, like, just... She's unique. That, yeah. yeah. And he's, yeah, so... Uh, 
he's okay. I, I guess, again, he falls into that category of people that are positive overall, where you look at the guy and like, oh, you, maybe you could play him, maybe you couldn't, give you some different options, but not being obviously terrible or obviously amazing. And he's a courtier, and that magistrate courtier defensive mess gets a lot of possible cards in this set. There's also a magistrate personality, Tajihi, I think that's how his, let's call him him. Uh, sure. His name is pronounced, well, I think two of these somewhat androgynous people, I think they're both guys, but as somebody pointed mm -hmm. out, he, he's got an Adam's apple. I mean, he's got the flowing locks and kind of a feminine face, but he's got an Adam's apple, so it should be a guy. Discernible personalities opposing the G, he have minus two force. He's four yeah. force. Yeah. He's four force. He costs seven. He's got four personal honor. If Crane Magistrate's attacked, I'd find him pretty nice. As it is, he has to hang around in the battle for his trade to matter, and I don't know how often they end up hanging around in the battle. It's more, I mean, they're more scoutish sort of build that fights more in the, the combat. But he does have four personal honor. That he that, does. That's still nice to get enough guys in there. Again, it's an interesting trait. I think he's worth looking at, but he's not overwhelming. Uh, I think the strategies are where distractions at court, shameful and cowardly, sought for justice, a stain cleansed, imperial orders, the law of strength, sudden rebuke, under arrest. Those are all magistrate or courtier cards that, that are in this set. I mean, some of them are not as key for this sort of, of deck, but Distractions at Court is Dishonor meta. It's, oh look, it's another Discard the Imperial Favor Bow of Personality card. Uh, shameful and Cowardly, it gives you a way to dishonor a couple of guys. Unlike Tajihi, it gives them a force penalty that is not going to go away, so I could see defending with this early and dishonoring some people, getting their force down so they can't take that early province. And then later on, it gives you a bunch of dishonored targets to hit with that imperial adjudication or that restoring order or whatever it is that you want to do. And Crane don't have as many existing ways to dishonor guys as Scorpion do because they don't have a box that does that. Right. So Shameful and Cowardly seems more valuable to, to Crane or Dragon than it does to, to the Scorpion decks that care about dishonoring people. And Shameful and Cowardly has a three-focus value, which means you could potentially run it in a dueling deck. Yeah, which makes it tolerable in a dueling deck, if not not something that you're excited about. Sought for Justice is one of a little set of three cards that have art and flavor text that all go together. The, the art... Was all the art done by Pritchard? But it's the same guy in, in all of the art. And then there's a, a, it's a magistrate's charge, part one, part two, part three for the, the flavor text. And okay, yeah, all the art is, is Chris Pritchard. And so there's a nice little thing for there. But, uh, Sock for Justice is open, bow your magistrate, bow a personality with, with lower personal honor. I mean, defensive nature is already just better than that if that's all it does, but it stops him, negates his next straightening. No Shattered Peaks Castle. If they don't have some way to straighten him, He's going to be shut down for the next turn, too. If that person If the personality is dishonorable. dishonorable. Which, yeah, okay, yeah. If the guy's dishonorable, that that's a good effect. I shut you down now, and possibly I shut you down next turn, too. Yeah. Again, like most Magistrate cards, it's got a decent focus value. It's a three, not a four. 
but it's not down in the the twos where you start to really playing it. The the companion cards for that are under arrest, which lets you move home a target attacking personality. That you know the usual magistrate personal honor restriction, and it's got it's one of many cards in the set that that has a contingent effect where if the guy is dishonorable, then that movement can't be negated, and he can't move again this turn. That's not bad. The one problem, I guess, with under arrest is isn't restoring. I mean, restoring order is just better than under arrest, right? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, uh, one can construct a scenario where under arrest is better because they have death negation too. Restoring but, order gives you send home. It gives you kill. It gives you bow. All in one on package. a four focus value, yeah, too. Yeah, it's a four focus, focus value. value. On the other hand, you can't really expect cards that do more than restoring order does. I, I mean, hope not. It, it's, it's hard to get better than not. the four focus value got a thing that. Well, I, yeah, you've got that. You've already got relentless conviction. That's just battle kill the guy. But but under arrest still seems quite good. And you know, just getting rid of whatever annoying attachment laden unit is just sending it home doesn't suck. No. So you're 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 okay playing it even if the guy isn't dishonorable. Uh, the third one of that triptych is paid off, which doesn't have anything to do with magistrates and which has a pretty hefty price tag. It's it's four gold and it's open bower straight in a, tar- a personality and it's got a four focus value. So I think it actually paid off a really good card, but it's a it's a good card for almost everybody. I'm hesitant about paying four. For that, it's it's a lot of versatility. It's not like versatile army, where you had the option of being able to play it for free under a, a decent number of circumstances. You know, you're always paying for paid off gold cost, and you don't have Moto Chagatai XP four all the time. You did with versatile army. To be yeah, really sick. Yeah, that does have potential, but yeah, that doesn't really have anything specifically to do with this. Let's, let's see, what's the other magistrate cards we have in here? Oh, magistrate, oh, Sudden Rebuke. It's a courtier, not a magistrate, but Crane gets to mess around with both. As long as you have presence, you bow your courtier who's anywhere, you reduce the personality's force to zero, and if he's dishonorable, you bow his controller's stronghold. Now, that's better on a scorpion, because, as I mentioned earlier, you're more consistently having a dishonored guy, but... Bowing somebody's stronghold as a battle action when they're attacking you is pretty is awesome. Huge. Amazing, yeah. It, we, you could come up with all sorts of superlatives to apply to it, but it, it's a card that just by existing changes how people play their turns when they're attacking you. You're going to have to suck up a one focus value to play it, but I don't think that matters too much. It, you won't, it, you know. It matters to Crane, but I mean, you can't... Crane, like Dragon, at some point you have to be be like, okay, I cannot play Dueling in every single one of my decks. And that's another reason why Scorpion could like it better, too, is that they're not they're just not going to do it, yeah. But still, if your opponent attacks, and they haven't spent that Stronghold gold, to have your first action be like, okay, I zero out this guy's force, and I bow your Stronghold, denying you four gold this turn, and shutting down whatever your Stronghold ability was. They're you know, you're not going to get that central castle card draw, or straighten the guy, or the plus three force, or well, attaching a weapon, or cute. killing somebody. How did Pig still works well about? But I was thinking Great Hall of Records. Oh, okay. Uh, sorry. Uh, 
Yeah, it, it does. It does not shut down somebody's stronghold if it works when bowed. So the, you know, the military high honor clans are most often hit by that because their strongholds rarely work when bowed yeah. on the. But still, I think that's a big effect. Imperial orders is a crane card. Again, it's one of these. You have presence. You bow a courtier in any location. Any number of courtiers. You add up their personal honor, and you can send somebody home. Again, built in. The, sorry, their force has to be less than or equal to the combined personal honor. It has, again, it has built in that the movement can't be negated and the personality can't move again this turn. There's a lot of that. Uh, on the other hand, though, you're targeting the unit, and you have to have your personal honor. Even when your personal honor is coming in chunks of four and three, That's still you're a still, lot of it's, guys it's, to it's still a lot to... of guys. Yeah, if you want to hit that attachment-laden... 13, 15 force unit or whatever, even a 10 force unit. That's, that's like three some four or five, six guys. Well, for a 10 force unit, you're probably bound. You might be bound four. But still, you have to have four random guys sitting at home to bow to send home a big unit. And it, it does get rid of them all the way, but I'm concerned about the conditionality of that. I mean, you have a lot of options for battle send a guy home. Yeah. By the time you've got enough people to bow to send home any reasonably threatening unit, there's probably more than just that one unit threatening you too. You know, all you have to have is presence there. Your your courtiers are you know at least get to sit at home, so it's not like you have to worry about keeping four courtiers alive and in the battle. They just get to hang out at home and do. I like it when the four courtiers assigned to battle. I like seeing that. <laughs> Okay, uh, but there's there's definitely a lot of options in there, I think, for the magistrates and the courtiers to play with for the crane, but I they do need to focus more on the dishonor kind of build for this, and this those cards seems more built to actually running that deck out of Sevenfold Palace than to continuing to try to run it out of uh, out of the scout stronghold. I, you know, Shikashi especially. Yeah, her her ability is not something you want to use when your box says battle, kill a guy, gain, no. gain honor. They do get stuff for the scout decks. They get Doji Yaichiro, who drew a lot of hate from Crane, crane players when he got previewed. He's he's three fours. He comes in with a follower. He costs eight, so you're paying six for five fours, and he moves himself into the battlefield, but his ability works even when bowed and straightens his whole unit. And I think there's actually an interesting comparison between him and Tadori. You know what? I like him better than I like Tadori. I like being able to move himself in more than I like being able to move anybody else in when he's already there. What do you guys think? I, I have to agree. Yeah, that's generally going to be a little more useful, I think. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that that's a, you know, interesting impression. When you're the higher honor clan with the guys who are less efficiently militarily costed, and I think he's still coming out in comparison, you know, better than his most direct comparable in the lower honor, higher force clan, I, I, I mean, I think he's he's pretty solid. I'm not as sold on Arima, the non-unique guy. I kind of like Arima. Yeah. You're not you're not playing anything that cares about that's attacking with that. Three fours with battle range three for seven. Like that that's atrocious on the offense. I on the defense, he does get five fours, 
and crane scouts do defend the luck, but, but Battle Range 3 is still not anything to write home about. I mean, we talked about that in the context of Breath of the Heavens. Right. Uh, the other episode is that you get up to Range 4, okay, now you've always got something to kill with that. You're down at Range 3, you go entire games with nothing to kill. Him, I can't, I can't get that excited about unless I'm completely conceding to doing nothing but defending with my scout deck, which I guess you can do. You can, he still he pals for a range 5 off the box. On the defense, he does have 5 fours for 5 gold, which I hear is pretty efficient for Crane. And he's got 3 personal honor, unlike a lot of the Crane scouts. Yeah. yeah uh, that's true. Probably more importantly for the Crane scouts than somebody like Aramai is secured borders, which gives you a plus chi bonus to, to up to three of your provinces, so probably generally three with the Crane Scouts, but... That's just I, good for a lot of scouts, because I, it just recons three provinces. It, well, I, I think if you're not defending with the Scouts, I think if you're playing a defensive Scout card, you're talking about Crane. I don't think Crab Scouts or Mantis Scouts is no. ever going to play a card that they do, especially Mantis Scouts with their box recon something. Unicorn Scouts... I think has some options out of secured borders because it does recon three provinces and the province strength increase is optional. Doesn't so destroy can, the cavalry option to yeah, be yeah. sneaky. I don't I don't know if Unicorn Scouts is ultimately gonna be able to, to do that, but for Crane Scouts, I mean I, I hear Last Step Castle, pe- people complain a lot about how that just raises all your province strengths. And that's what Secure Border does on a on a fade card. It, you know, all of your all of your provinces get plus three or four after you know all of them after you lose that that first one. Plus, all of your your recon related abilities are activated. I I think that's got a lot of potential, and it's even four in case you are playing dueling and dueling scouts at scouts. the same time. I, Dueling's good, I hear. There's a lot of scout options that does let you have some synergy. Uh, between those decks. Uh, we talked about the other scout cards. I don't know that Crane really cares about the rest of those. Uh, um, mm-hmm. Artisans. Doji Shikashi is an artisan. You get Sully Gift, which is bow my artisan to bow a guy. A lot of the artisans have terrible stats and don't ever want to show up at battle, so it's probably almost, a good trade. Yeah, it's almost costless in some ways as far as bowing your guy for that. I it's not defensive nature, as in it's just, you know, open, bow, something. But it, it doesn't have any restrictions. It bows anybody. Hard to, to argue with that. Certainly better than the one artisan card that was included in in Plague War. And the artisans have a lot of, you know, there's that whole switch, dishonor kind of component that they have going on. And so one of the best guys for that stronghold, or even just the, the courtier honor, is not a crane. Which is a Tomo Sami, who's a unique, he who is. is ridiculous for a switch deck. He, I, oh and, yeah, and yeah, seven pulled palace out of that. Discard the imperial favor, gain two honor. Discard the imperial favor, they lose two honor. He, he might as well be an honorary crane. He's good in any deck, any honor deck that can routine, routinely get the favor. Because I mean, just in the mirror match, making them lose two can be huge. Yeah, I mean, either way, either I, way, gain two, lose two. If, yeah, if you're in an honor deck, even if your opponent is. Even if you just gain the favor the one time per turn, there's a good amount of times that you get it and you don't use it. I would generally rather discard the favor to gain two honor as an honor deck or discard the favor to make my opponent lose two honor as a dishonor deck than favor cycle. 
Yeah. Uh, I yeah. Mean, I'm slightly improving my hand by cycling, but that that marginal difference between those two cards is not worth two honor. And if you're playing an honor runner, you're probably just going to draw something like Settling the Homeless anyway. <laughs> the Cranes wasn't going to be its own deck, but I guess now basically it is because of the Stronghold dueling. Uh, they get their one personality. The Kikita Mimaro, uh he's got an ability that's contingent on having won a duel. I'm usually not a big fan of those, but his ability is a reaction, which I think gives it more uh, of an option. It's reaction after he wins a duel, bow a personality or follow with four or less. I don't really like the the dragon and the phoenix guys who are like, if this guy has won a duel, then you don't yeah. have to bow, otherwise I'm bad. I'm not a big fan of them uh, either. But yeah. reactions that do stuff to your opponent's guys in battle are are solid. So and and as Crane, you have a box that says Battle Duel. So you can always just be like, oh, I defend with more, I use the box duel, I send your guy home, I take the favor, I bounce your other guy. That seems pretty handy, especially if you're playing that defensively and your opponent is just going to kill whatever guy you defended with anyway. And so after you use the box duel, you may or may not ever get a chance to use uh, a, whatever battle action they would have anyway. And then you use Shikishi and use the favor when they remove your presence. Yes, yes. The, the favor you just got with the box, yeah. That is the only dueling card in the set, Final Confrontation. I don't know. Uh, this one wasn't loaded with the Ajutsu cards. The, um, the one that jacks people who came out of Province. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, that's the yeah, Final Confrontation and Startling Attack. Uh, final Confrontation, Focus Effect. If you win the duel, take the favor. Battle, choose your unbowed duelist. Bow. One or two personalities who have a combined chi equal to less than your chi. It's often just going to be bow a guy, which isn't isn't shabby. Uh, sometimes you'll get to bow two. That's that's not awful. Uh, and also, I also like the art on Final Confrontation. I think it's apparently I think it's one of the my five favorite art pieces. It's just these two guys doing the little duel. You got the cherry blossoms drifting in the the wind. It's it's more of a impressionistic sort of piece rather than you know one of the computer assisted generations. For example, I really like you know everybody likes Steve Argyle's stuff, but it's it's a different style than yeah. that. I mean, if you're looking for something that's as photorealistic or pseudo realistic as possible, you know, Final Confrontation is not going to be the sort of thing that you're looking for. But I I like how the art looks. Startling attack. His reaction, if you bring a guy in outside of the the dynasty phase, duel him. So it's, it's kind of like enough talk. Your mileage may vary when using this card. <laughs> uh, I think you know how I feel about this card. Yeah, Kevin thinks it's a coaster. I don't think it's a coaster. I think ultimately it won't get played. Actually, on the Dragon Boards when it came out, that was the totality of my comment was, too narrow, won't get played, and Reese questioned that, and I had to expound on it. So I'll, I'll do that here. Enough talk gets played, in part because if your opponent is playing with political actions, the, the sort of decks that you're metting against play with lots of political actions, and they happen all the time. I mean, yeah. whenever it is that you draw your enough talk, you're going to have the chance to play it. If, if your opponent has just a handful of political battle actions like Game of Sincerity, when you get to that battle where you're actually playing those, that's usually later in the game, you have had plenty of chance to draw enough talk. Startling attack, I mean, you can use it on civility, but civility is at its best right at the start of the game when you haven't had much chance 
draw maybe seen the, the cards or so. and or or six yeah or seven uh, you probably haven't even seen eight if it's the really you may yeah. not even have seen eight if it's a really worrisome time to see civility you may and, not even have a person to do the duel at that point yeah 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 and if they bring in tamago it's not going to work anyway yeah uh, <laughs> but unless i have my own tamago <laughs> yes and then you can karmic congratulations <laughs> You and then once the guy's out, you can't do anything, and that may be the only time that that whole game that, that they come up. they do anything. It's better against Will, I think, because Will is a card that tends to be played later in the game when you're further into a battle. And there, there are, are other things, things that affect Phoenix the, Guidance. There's the Phoenix Guidance. There's yes, you can please do it on Hoo Hoo, <laughs> or Ningus Token, both of which we yes, usually want to get killed off anyway. Uh, yes, okay, no, 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 no he's gonna. Startling attack under normal circumstances, a hoo-hoo or ninjas, uh, yojimba. They're not, I, I hope. I mean, there, there are other things. There's, there's the unicorn and scout, scout blitz blitzy dealing. thing that has guys that jump in, although again. That's dropping that, real early again. Yeah, you yeah. gotta have it real early, and you have to have a guy. Yeah. That deck wants to be like, aha, I go where you don't even have guys. Yeah. Neener, neener, neener. So I think maybe obviously, as a meta card, it depends on how much those things get played. But it still feels to me like the category of effects that it's going against come up infrequently enough that there's just going to be too many games where you have nothing to play it on or it's just not in your hand at the right time. It doesn't have anything but the meta effect. But it's a really powerful meta effect if you these really narrow circumstances hit, which yeah, is why if, I think it's not miserable. If it was a really powerful meta effect against a deck, that's when it can be worth yeah. Playing. It's a really powerful meta, meta effect against a handful of cards that may or may not ever come up. If you're playing, if you're worried about Dishonor and you play a Dishonor meta, like when you play against a Dishonor player, they're always going to have do stuff to you that triggers your Dishonor meta. They're always going to be draining honor. So things that negate honor loss or gain you honor are always helpful. If you're metaing against a card, I mean, even if your opponent is playing with Will and that's what you're worried about, they may not even draw at that game. You may sit there with your startling attack in exactly this against exactly the sort of situation where you want it, and they just never draw it, and you don't even have the option to play it for uh, some lousy battle action like they do with a lot of of the meta cards. I I'm guessing it doesn't have a battle action because it is a really potent effect when it works, and you're kind of looking at enough talk as as yeah. kind of a, a similar card, and enough talk is some is is often good enough to get played as is. But I don't. I don't think startling attack is is very much going to get into that thing. And hey, look, we've talked even longer about crane than crab. So let's let's well, got a lot of good stuff. About a month ago, I had a son, and we named him Benjamin. And then shortly thereafter, the story team wrote a fiction about an awesome guy named Benjaro. Coincidence? You be the judge. What's next alphabetically? Dragon? Nope. nope. Nobody on the podcast cares about Dragon, right? We can just skip them? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In segment. Alright, so we really do need to talk about Dragon, actually. Only because we're contractually obligated to.
You have a contract? contract. (laughs) I don't get paid for this. Who's anything about paid? The contract entirely obliges him to do things, and he gets nothing. Oh, wow. Well, no, wait, he has to get something. You get the honor of being on the podcast. That's what you get for that. Did did, did Chris capture your soul in a jar? Just the once. I mean, no. Again. (laughs) Okay, Dragon, uh, one of the three clans that gets a stronghold, can, can say, as a... Is its own deck, not just random uniques with weapons, which has actually done well, but just Kensei. Is that actually going to be functional now with Farthest Fortress? I think I so. think so. Me too. It's a good ability. It can draw cards. It can bow things. You can attach even if you don't have opposition. You can it, bow even if you don't have a weapon. It slices and dices and julienne's fries. It just doesn't work well bowed. Sad face, yes. Remember how we were having that discussion about how high honor clans, military strongholds usually don't work in bowed? Yeah. That's okay. If you're playing against a Dishonored deck, you probably don't care about bowing their guys. I mean, you'd like to draw the card, but, you know, what you gonna do? Dragon also gets really nice fixed personality in Miramoto Kenzo. Certainly a, a fan favorite, including me. I like Kenzo. Come on, he has a blood sword and a shame sword. How can you go wrong? no 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 he's not a phoenix he doesn't become all tainty and try to destroy the empire with it Mithihiko hasn't become all tainty yet (laughs) (laughs) he has to take down three more oracles then he gets to become tainted he's he's gonna become the uber dark oracle he's gonna be a dark oracle of all elements all all I know for sure is he will have a volcano lair even Chasai doesn't actually have a volcano lair. The right, Chasai's not cool enough. The Tamori have a volcano lair. Is it shaped like their head? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what is, is, is Mizuhiko's head shaped distinctively such that it would make an interesting lair? No. All right, all right so okay. what is nice about Kenzo besides he's got Everything two, is nice two, about two Kenzo. badass swords? Uh, he actually gets to be a duelist Kensai. Uh, you don't which, have any of those. You don't have any of those, do we? I think... I. Yeah, I think Kuranata. he's the first non-Kuranata Duelist Kensai. Miyoko also shows up in this set as a, a Duelist Kensai. He's got decent force, he's got a battle ability that permanently increases his force while bowing anyone, and he's caught a trait that lets him have an extra card off the top of your deck in his focus pool, which really means you're just winning duels over and, and over again. Yes. I, yeah. I, I mean... One hopes. It, yeah, I, I I don't know what would be wrong with him. He doesn't have cavalry, so you can't abuse him with that. I mean, wow. yeah, yeah, oh, I, yes. yeah, I, it, there's, there, I, he doesn't have four personal honor either. They're not crane. Like guys who do have four personal honor are particularly noteworthy in in dragon. You, that's why Tycho's so nifty. Mostly, you're looking at threes for for the dragon. Uh, the other Kensai in this is Miramoto Tabushi. Also good. Who's yeah he well he's seven gold and he comes in he comes in as effectively a five force because he comes in with two weapons even gets a little token for his weapons in the, the, token in the set, set or not a token I guess I can't think we always call them tokens they're not tokens technically within the context of the game they're created cards but in any case so what do you like him Justin he comes in with X gold for X force I mean. That's huge and nifty, and just having the weapons around to do stuff is added gravy, I think, at that point. But he's just got 
nice big stats. I wouldn't say that the weapons are added gravy. I would say that the weapons are what make the card good. Well, I think the weapons are what make the card playable. The force is a nice added thing. If he was just yeah. five force for seven gold, he wouldn't be playable. That's mm-hmm. not good enough. Uh, and I, and while I think that coming in with weapons maybe makes him good enough to get in, I don't think it makes him good. Because if you actually look over, they're, they're, they are expanding. You do get Unstoppable Cut in this set, but there really aren't a terrible number of things that you're playing from your hand that that care about bowing to weapons. There, there are enough, but, I mean, you can't Yarijutsu off of them. There's your yeah, big, nasty, nasty one. Well, the other thing about Tabushi is that if you're putting... Um, Wooden barricades in your deck, which is a new holding from the set, which is amazing. You can you can give those weapons to the other Kensai who are just kind of like helpless without their weapons. Yeah, with the other Kensai that have built-in abilities that say, yeah, battle, bow one of their weapons. Those guys really want weapons because their their ability they have to have a weapon or they have to bow a weapon, and you're like, oh, I don't want to attach my you know rising sun blade and use it that ability because I want to bow it to its own ability or. Or whatever, yeah. And so you can move that around. You also can move around the weapons from Tomori Kuroko, who is, I think, basically a Kensai card. She's a Shugenja that, well, so you can pay three gold or bow her or discard a card. Right, so she's a I Kensai laugh, holding. I laugh, at, I laugh at you, Phantom Blade Kata. She's a holding that you can bow to create weapons. She's like Sai Makatsu mm. in, in that respect, which is a an Imperial Herald promo that just came out and will be legal with Empire at War, who, it's a produces three, costs four, creates a weapon, which actually may cause more headaches for Kensei than it helps Kensei, because anybody can use it, and weapons shut down a lot of the Kensei ability. The, the stronghold is more important than the personalities. I mean, the stronghold is yeah. the big the big thing for this. Unstoppable cut is, for Kensei, it's an improved height of courage, because plus one force have a height of courage, not as amazing, whereas the the unstoppable cut comes with the, the built-in ability to bow an enemy card. It is one of those cards that wants you to bow a weapon and indeed gets you a benefit if you bow two weapons. So it, it works really well with, with Tabushi. Probably also like Yagamaki's Fist. Following up on Rising Sunblade is another big weapon with good stats that has a good battle ability. Its battle ability does not bow it. So you can use the battle ability on Yagamaki's Fist to kill something and then follow up with one of these other actions that that requires you to bow one of your weapons. Uh, on the other hand, there are two weapons that I, I think are decent in this, but do require you to bow them, and so don't have as much synergy. And that's Saruchi's Legacy and Rakai's Yumi. I mean, what what sort of value do you guys see those cards having, generally, and then specifically in Kensei? Well, Rakai's Yumi's got it's two fours for four gold, which is not great. But, uh, is battle, if there are enemy units at the current battlefield, move your unit in and do a range 4 attack and you bow the weapon. So, yeah. it's a, it's a move in with, uh, within a, a range 4 attack. So anytime you can go on and move in with something else, that's usually pretty good. Yeah, Rakai was always amazing, and so just getting that on one of your Kensai or on whoever is quality action. Yeah, I also like Rakai's Yumi Tsuruji's Searchy's Legacy is just battle, bow for a range 4, but it increases all the other ranged attacks in your army by 1. So if you're playing Mantis or some of the Phoenix builds or that, that are ranged attack heavy, that, that could be interesting. 
not not as good as Rakai as Yumi. I think yeah, move, the move in plus following on with maybe killing your guy. Yeah, I, I I suspect that there will be unicorn players who are really not fan of Rakai as Yumi, just like they were not <laughs> fans of Rakai. Right. <laughs> I'm not sure why. Rakai's okay. And I was about to say, I'm not sure why Rakai's Yumi is showing up now that Rakai's been dead for a bit, but because she they, was awesome. No, it's because it was uh, Suruchi's legacy and Rakai's Yumi are are name a card choices. So it was because somebody liked Rakai, and so Rakai uh, got a card. Oh, and we've somehow managed to not talk about Blade of Perfection, which is yes. the weapon that you want to put on all those puds who say battle bow my weapon, do something. And play with all those actions that foul the weapon because every time it fouls, it straightens. And if it die, if it gets destroyed or its personality gets destroyed, you can you have the option of using a reaction to pop it back into play. You you have to pay for it. It's not like at the end of Last Dark Dragon had a plus three plus one for four weapon that came back into play for free. Yeah. When it got destroyed, that was a a heck of a thing. It was but, unique too, though. Yeah, and it played a played a perfection is. Is very nice mm-hmm. for Kansai. It, it fills in a lot of rules. It's got a decent focus value of three. It's got decent force for its gold cost. It's uh, got excellent force for its gold cost. Well, it's plus one chi as well. It's got standard force for its gold cost. What four gold items get played that don't have? As yes, you're pointing at Suruchi's legacy, mm-hmm. but that's subpar force for a four cost item. All right. And you even even you're like even like when you were describing, you said, "Oh, it's only two force." Right. You're not excited about two force. You're okay with three force. Obviously, if you're getting four force for your four, you're excited. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that being insane. Yeah. Uh, shouldn't on get that on on Blade of Perfection. The other, the other Kensei card in this set is Stay Put. Oh, you attach God. a weapon to him from your hand, paying four less gold if he's defending. Then bow. Then you may attach a weapon. You don't have to bow a target enemy card without attached weapons or armor. So. At the very least, it's, I have a Kensei, he's unbowed, I bow. Somebody who doesn't have a weapons or armor, you know, the usual Kensei sort of restriction. It, it gives you a nice option on on defense to defend with a naked guy, you yeah. know, give him an attachment, and do something proactive to affect the battle. And so now he's he's got that attachment for some defense. If he's, you know, still around... When you next get in action, then he, you know, can activate some other thing that the Kensei do, or possibly some of the reactions that that Kensei have that require bowing the weapon to to stop something from happening. All told, I think that there's a very definite pickup for Kensei decks. I think you oh, can, yeah. as a, I think you can now take a specifically Kensei deck to a tournament and not be embarrassed. <laughs> I, I don't know that it's, I don't know if it will get it up to the level where. You know, you're going to be running it into a tournament. It's not like Dragon needs some of its theme to get up to a tournament good stat. It's already got those. That's just, uh, the Kensei are just another arrow in the quiver. Monks? Monks, I think, got very little in this set. Yep. I think Tagashi Farai is not playable. He's kind of subpar. I, uh, you know, we've talked about the fire token beam. It hasn't really gelled yet. He's awful without fire tokens. I, a 4 3 for 7. Yeah, four four three for seven without a fire token is is not, and battle range two is is not something that you can play with right now. Yeah, um, and he doesn't have any way of providing himself with fire tokens. No, no, you have to you have to 
play Breath of the Heavens or play Fire Blossom or you know play one of these cards that you didn't you didn't weren't really you didn't big probably play weren't playing in the first before, place. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't think that he he helps the the fire deck anyway. Yeah, the, the fire token deck wanted somebody. You know, once more people that give themselves fire tokens, at least. Fire tokens need a lot. I, but, you know, what you gonna do? They got a nice, uh, honor and dishonor meta card in Dove Tattoo. Open, gain five honor is what you want if you're playing against a dishonor deck. Open, raise the target for winning the game by five. If you're playing against an honor deck, take the favor, which is good against Especially against the honor deck, but possibly against the dishonor deck as well. You know, deny them that opportunity. If you're playing against a, a military deck, at the very least, you can play the dove tattoo to take the favor and then. I think use that's it to favor the big cycle. pickup. Monk, yeah. Dragon Monk's got this set. That's the biggest card for them. Yeah. Well, sudden strike it, it isn't bad. It's another option. Oh, you know, open bow a guy, bow a guy, bow one of their guys. Uh, I mean, it has to be without weapons, but that's pretty default yeah. for, for the Dragon Monks. The one thing I have to say about Stone Strike is that I'm, I'm very highly amused by the art on the card. <laughs> yes. It shows a, a picture of a monk kip, kicking a dude in the head, and his helmet is flying off. And if you're not paying attention, that the first time you look at it, it does kind of look like he's capitating him yes, with that's his what foot. I thought too. But he's, he's really just kicking off the guy's helmet. Yes. If it said lose honor on it, then it might be kicking his head off. I'll continue to imagine his head is coming off. I don't know. And I also just, you know, to rewind it back, because Lord knows we need more semi-tangents, I also really like the art on Kenzo. Did I mention I like Kenzo? <laughs> okay. Uh, magistrates. The one personality is actually another piece of art that I really like. April Lee. Oh, Kenzo's Drew Baker. Uh, April Lee did the art on Katsuki Nakai. Uh, he's in Another one of these sort of interesting cards. I don't know exactly how he slots in. He's a boxable. He's got no force because Dragon are clearly not attacking with their magistrates anytime soon. No. Uh, 4Chi to use the magistrate actions. He's got the decent three personal honor. And he's both a magistrate and a duelist. It, I, it feels like he's competing with Ichizo for spots in a, a Dragon honor deck if you want to take it more towards being... A, an even more heavily focused magistrate deck. I mean, because you don't really care about each of those fours. No. He's got no. the same personal honor. You're paying one more. You're also getting magistrate. You know, yeah, and you get another chi, too, which I guess it does have its drawbacks. Sometimes you actually want the lower chi when you're issuing like an imperial adjudication or an impromptu duel, so if they do accept it, you get to focus first and drop the, the hamstring or the shadow's talent. He also has a flavor text I find interesting because I have no earthly clue what it's saying. Because it's so full of negatives, I am forced to admit I am not surprised that we did not predict the attack. And then a reference to the towel. I don't even have any idea what he's talking about. Mm. He's being a dragon. He's yeah. just confusing you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dragon, dragon magistrates get all the magistrate actions that we talked about when we were talking about the crane. There was one magistrate action that we didn't mention. Which is magistrate or courtier, although Dragon only cares about the magistrate part, and that's the law's strength, which is playable by any courtier or magistrate. It does not require your guy to be bowed. It, sorry, it does not require your guy to be unbowed. It does not have that personal honor less than chi restriction, and it kills the guy if the movement doesn't happen for some reason. So it's sent home and it kills if it doesn't happen. Yep. Yeah. 
That's that seems pretty solid. That's seems good. good to me. Note does not work on Kuon stuff. Not uh, much works on him. But still, Kuon straight actions, they they almost always want your guy to be straight. And Law's strength is very nice to have as an option for for when you're not. Dragon's last semi-theme is Muramoto Asakazu, which has Sorry, it's dueling, which has the same fate cards that the crane got. It's got Miramoto Kenzo, uh, and it's got Miramoto Asakazu, who is a, a sort of variant on the old Miramoto Chojuro ability, and there's a shout-out to Chojuro in the flavor text. Uh, I think that the the reason that Asakazu has some potential is that you get to take the card from your focus pool into your hand, but you don't have to swap. You don't have to put the card back in. So you can just use him as card draw every time you play a duel off of him. If you're just if you control the focusing and you're just gonna focus three times and not uh, focus the fourth time anyway. Yeah. If you don't get to do that, he just seems too expensive for what he does. He does yeah. have five force. But he does do that. He's five force for nine, you seven cheap still. Yeah. It's not like he's awful, and and he does, in fact, let you draw a card. So I mean, it, it, if he didn't do that, I I don't think I would really give him any consideration. But he does, so I think he's somebody to to try and and look at. Uh, the other dragon guy who's not uh, theme specific is Miramoto Kalen. He's another cavalry guy. I hear dragon like that. He's got battle range four, so you got a four four cab guy for nine. Uh, if he was eight, I think he would be great. At nine, he's a little expensive. He's a little yeah. pricey, but you know sometimes that whole random collection of cavalry guys with at least okay abilities can can get the job done. And so he's another option that that Dragon has for trying to to put that together. But I think that's it for Dragon. Well, that's it for this episode of Strange Assembly. Check back with us next week when we'll keep on droning on about all the different cards in Empire at War. In the meantime, you can visit us on our forums at strangeassembly.com or you can go on iTunes and give us five-star reviews. Eh? Eh? You know you want to!